This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Ho 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 Homes Hell Radio Podfed Calendar. Twenty down, only four more to go. Four more sleeps till I break into your house, tread soot into your carpet, go through your bow's cupboard and make a few international calls from your landline. And whilst we're at it, for fuck's sake, could we try and be a bit more imaginative this year and leave something else out? other than a minced pie. After the first few thousand, they do get a bit sickly, and they don't do my diabetes any favours either. Yet something a bit more savoury would go down well, or even just a good old-fashioned porn magazine if you've got one lying around. Readers, wives, or growler will suffice. Don't worry about it. Thank you very much. Anyway, on with the show. Okay, so behind the door today, we have Sean Derry. Hi, Sean. Hi, Chris. Right, fantastic to have you on the show. Cannot say thank you enough um, and plenty to, to get into. I suppose, let's start with, uh, with what you're up to now. I've been uh, checking on fortunes at, uh, at Cambridge. Uh, sounds like a tough time at the moment. Yeah, we are in a little bit of a um, tough time at the minute. We are. We're in um, one of them situations where unfortunately managers find themselves in now and again and it's a little bit of um little bit of discontent throughout the football club we've just got to get through this little period really we're um still within touching distance of the playoffs which would be um an incredible achievement for a club the size of ours and um i think on the past two years where we've managed to end up 11th and 9th um you know to to try and get in that top 10 again would be a, a fantastic achievement it's, uh, tough job. It's a tough job. It's a. Um, it's always difficult when you're working in the lower leagues, and yeah. you know, with the the infrastructures are very different to what Premier League clubs are have got, and um, you have to find a different way of working. I see. Well, I, I delved into the um, to, to some of the, r- the recent comments and all that kind of stuff, and looks like you're working with a with a very very small squad, you know, and obviously suspension and injuries really do hit a club hard when you're in that situation. Well, they do. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've never encountered what we encountered yesterday. It was the first time 
since the two years that I've been there that we only had 14 outfield players and you know they was all the fit bodies that we had available to us so when you bear in mind the Premier you know a Premier League team perhaps has part of 25 very very capable players and perhaps uh, an under 23 department with another 20 players in it you can kind of understand where we are it's uh, difficult times but we'll be okay you know we're um, you know we're a good we're a good good set of players and got a good little coaching staff there so no we'll be we'll be fine and uh, you know, so you've, you've fairly uh, well, it must be what four years into your managerial career, I guess, because you started at Notts County, you had a really good impact there. Uh, again, I'm not sure um, why things sort of tailed off the way they did, but I can remember you were being linked with linked with a job as a coach at Palace, and we had someone yeah. from Notts County just absolutely begging us not to take you. So they were obviously thought thought the world of you there. So, and that's your hometown club as well. What was that experience like? Well, it was bizarre. You know the way it came about was um, was incredible. Really, I was playing at QPR and I was on loan at Millwall, and the Notts County job came up on a Sunday afternoon. And I thought, just by chance, I'd you know try and put my hat in the you know in the ring and see where it came. If I was to get an interview, that would be great, a great experience for me. So I did, and you know I approached Notts County myself, and thankfully got interviewed on the Tuesday, and it just coincided. Really, with my, I played on the Saturday for Millwall against Burnley, and um, my wife and children went to I think they went to Portugal on the Sunday, and I went for an interview on the Tuesday. And by the time they come back, I was the Notts County manager, and, um, <laughs> living 130 miles away from home. And um, you know, life very, very quickly changed for us as uh, as, as a family, and it was um, it was incredible, really, to cut my teeth that way. That's that's absolutely amazing. I suppose you, that's the side of things that you don't see as fans. That kind of how quickly things in football change your, your whole life. I guess. Well, it did. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the children were very young at the time, and you know, to have that, you know, that to have the dad at home every night, to not having him there at all over the course of Monday to Friday, you know, it was difficult. You know, it was difficult for the kids, but you know, they're all right now. They they, they accept me now and understand that I'm not the player no more I'm you know I'm, I'm a manager and they see things slightly different to perhaps what they did when I was playing five years back absolutely and um I suppose I'm, I'm sort of torn as whether to ask you about Palace now or get straight into your Palace history so I think I'm going to go with what do you think of uh, obviously Palace had a real tough start to the season um ended up sort of getting rid of Frank De Boer very very quickly looked kind of lost at the bottom of the table but a, a real turnaround of late what's your view from the outside then well, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I perhaps hold the same view as many Palace fans, really. And it was I thought it was a bizarre appointment, if I was honest. I thought it was a very left-field appointment, one what I didn't feel that Palace were perhaps ready for that at that moment in time, especially on the back of Sam last year and how successful the end of the season was to change the whole philosophy of a football club, you know, over the course of a summer. You know, it's... No wonder it had an impact, a negative impact on the on the players and, and the fans alike. And I felt for I felt for Frank De Boer really. You know, yeah. obviously he'd had a tough time at Inter Milan to then come into the Premier League, which is a unique league. It's very different to what the Italian league is, the Premier League, and so is the you know the Spanish and the French. So to come into the into a club with the, I suppose the. How can I put it? You know, Palace is unique. It's got a it's got, it's got a unique feel to it. I always felt that as a player. You know, in the two times that I played for them, I always felt it was a a club that held 
that held and still holds different values to perhaps what your average Premier League football club holds. And I never felt it was the right fit. So mm. to see the changes made, I thought it was a um, you know it, it needed to happen, and uh, and I'm pleased that that Roy's gone in there and settled the ship. Yeah, and it's it's it's, it's worth a million miles away from what it was at the start of the season. We're obviously climbing the table. One of the people who's been key in that has been Wilfred Zaha, and obviously you you've played with Wilf, you've seen what he's capable of, you know, back then. But how different a player is he now than, than the player you played with? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, he, he was a kid when I played. You know, he was there as a 15, 16-year-old kicking the ball on the sidelines and kind of, you know, he was like a... And I want to make this, you know, very respectfully, he was like a little trick pony, really. You know, he didn't really understand the game. He just had some incredible, incredible silky skills. And you knew that there was a special talent in there somewhere. Yeah. But obviously, as time's gone on, and you know his his journey over to Manchester and back again, and that disappointment, and kind of making him a hard, you know, a hardened nosed Premier League footballer now. You know, he's 25, 26, whatever he is now, Wilf. You know, to come back and carry the club, and I think he has done that this year. Yeah. You know, it was such a such a loss to have him out of the group in them early days. I think that coincided as well with the poor run. But to not have Wilfred there and then to bring him back into the group, I, I just think that he's been the shining light and he's been the talisman and, uh, and I'm pleased for him. Okay, great. And um, so going back to you, as you mentioned, you, you've two spells at Palace and it's really very much from the from, from my era, if you like, from where I really started going to every single game, sort of home and away and all that kind of stuff. So I've got vivid memories of, of your, your playing career on both occasions. So we're going to go through those now. Um, and I've got yeah. to start with, uh, there was a period where you, you did some interesting things with your hair, Sean, to be honest with you. Uh, do you remember yeah, yeah. one? There was one that looked like you were wearing a brown beanie hat from a distance. Do you remember that one? It's probably a hat, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, um, I always, you know, so I, obviously you always look back on your career and, you know, you kind of think about certain situations you find yourself in. You know, it was uh, the first time I played for Crystal Palace, I was a single lad. And the second time I came back and I was a married married man with two kids. So it was two different, different types of players and personalities that kind of pulled on the shirt back then. And, uh, you know, the first time I came, you know, it was like first time in London, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a Nottingham boy and I always wanted to play in London. So I was delighted when Palace came knocking and wow, did I enjoy the bright lights for, for a short term. You know, I did. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed it because we had some, great teammates, some young players, you know, Butterfield, Johnson, just to name Sue, you know, we were, we were thick as thieves. We really were. And we had a wonderful time. It was, um, and that coincided with some pretty horrendous haircuts for me. Um, <laughs> but, but, it, but, but the strange thing was, I, ended, I arrived at Palace and I actually was given the number 10 shirt. And yeah. that was the first number I had at Crystal Palace. And it was, like, it was, it was a strange decision from Trevor Francis. Because um, Clinton Morrison obviously carried the number 10 and carried it really well. And I think it was just like one of them situations where perhaps the manager makes a big point to change Clinton and give him a different shirt. And suddenly a, a, a holding midfielder, a deep, a deep kind of defensive midfielder was carrying the 10 shirt. And I thought, I thought that was pretty bizarre. 
it, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point you make. I hadn't really thought about it until you said it, but I do remember you, um, you, you, you know, you took three kicks back then, if I remember rightly. Um, you know, which is not something real I was... Real ones. I took some real <laughs> poor free kicks back then. <laughs> I think with the haircut on the number 10, I perhaps thought I was something that I wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so Diego Maradona. But <laughs> I don't know. It was, no, it was, say, and it was, a, it was a strange spell, but I think a lot of people um, sort of really grew to appreciate the job you did b- before you left because you were obviously hit a palace over a, a few seasons and some memorable moments. I mean, obviously it was you that took the uh, the corner for, for Darren Powell yeah. to, to head in against uh, Sunderland, wasn't it? And, um, you know, right, yeah. Yeah. superb moments in that. So, I mean, going, going through that season, obviously you played for those seasons an awful lot of managers, um, but it was really obviously Dowie that kind of came in and, and crystallised things after uh, Kit Simon had sort of steadied the ship. Um, what was that period like to play? Now, that was where you know you mentioned the likes of AJ and Butterfield and, and yourself really creating this kind of this this unique sort of team spirit. And is that what drove us forward? We did, and uh, you know, looking back on my career and you know, further on past Crystal Palace, leading up to Leeds and into QPR, it was that moment really where that team spirit. It it, it, it it kind of shined like a beacon, really. And that was what I really wanted to be involved in as a footballer. I wanted to be a catalyst of a, of a football club. And it was. It was our friendship and it was our kind of professionalism along the way with Ian Dowie because he brought in a, a, way, of tra- a way of training that was hard, very, very difficult. It was, um, you know, it was double sessions. It was sometimes triple sessions, swimming early at six o'clock in the morning at certain moments, real testing characters. And that, you know, it was that moment, 24, 25, where I kind of really grew up and, and realised what a fantastic team spirit brings to a, to a, not just a changing room, but a football club. So, you know, that carried me, that carried me on throughout my career. And, you know, Ian was, Ian was brilliant. I mean, obviously, he, he didn't play me for the second half of the season when we got promoted. Aki played. But I was still a major part of the group in terms of, perhaps not on the pitch, but off the pitch. You know, a, a real big in, you know, had a real big impact on the group. And then, obviously, we got promoted into the Premier League and, you know, the, the chance to go and play permanently at Leeds um, came away. And, you know, it felt right at the time. But it was a definite loss. You know, it was a definite loss to, to, to leave London and to leave Crystal Palace because, you know, it, back then it was, you know, it, was, it felt right. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, um, and you talk about that period, because we spoke to Neil Shipley as well. He was one who, you know, obviously went up there, got promotion with yourselves. And then um, he he suffered as well through not playing in the Premier League. And his comment was, obviously, the club and, and Ian went out and bought 
you know, quite a few foreign players, quite a few players who, you know, were just obviously new to the squad to try and up the quality. And he felt that had a real detrimental effect on the team. And obviously you, you going to Leeds and looking back at it, do, do you think that that looks, that was pretty much, you know, why, why Palace struggled to stay in the division? I mean, as, as time went on in that Premier League season, in Dowie tried to, you know, resurrect the old championship side, you know, and very nearly kept the club in the in the division. And I think, you know, if he was to ask Ian and perhaps him openly wouldn't, you know, perhaps perhaps say he made some mistakes that year. And, it, you know, I spoke to him away from, you know, the environment of being the manager and the player and perhaps speaking to him only a few years back, he, he, he acknowledged that. And I think that was... Um, that was a big, big turning point because unfortunately that year, you know, the, the, the kind of, the, the group broke up. I know obviously AJ stayed and was dominant as a, as a Premier League player, but, you know, but struggled to get in the team and like you say, ships and other people, obviously myself went on to a different, different journey. And, you know, it was difficult because it, it was a real good squad. You know, it, it was a good, good team as well. And I'd have fancied us as a, as a group of championship players playing in the Premier League, I, I, I would have backed us to stay in the division. And you, you, you ended up obviously a few years past you playing at Leeds, and you ended up coming back to a very different club, almost as well, a very different squad at the very least. Um, but obviously, it was originally on, on loan, and it was uh, Warnock who, who signed you. And he had, obviously had all sorts of stories about when uh, the move was made permanent, your celebrations in the dressing room and all that kind of stuff. But it just seemed to click with you. And I, you know, from my perspective, you came back a, a very different player, a much more assured and, and you know, I, I don't know, you, you, you just seemed to know the game that much better. Uh, that's not to yeah. say your original appearance was, appearances weren't great, but, you know, I think you, you came back and added exactly what we needed into that squad. Well, I think at that point, you know, there was a requirement for a certain type of player. And that was me, you know, and obviously my relationship with Neil um, back at Sheffield United many years earlier, it was it was still a good relationship. And to come back on loan and have a successful loan and with the, you know, the difficulties that were taking place up at Leeds with Dennis Wise and kind of, you know, situations that affected Leeds United at that time, it, it, again, it felt right, you know, I was... I was married at that point. My wife is from Sidcup, uh, you know, and obviously she, it would have been great for us to come back home, which is still home now, 10 years later. Um, so to come back and play in the role that I played really well at for three years up at Leeds, it fit like a glove for the club. And it was easy to come back. Some people say you should never go back, but I never really kind of follow them guidelines uh, it, it just felt right really and um, you know ever since I left at 32 when I went to QPR you know Palace is is, is a team that you know I'm, I'm, I'm hugely fond of and hold dear dear to it's a, it's a great football club that's, that's great to hear um, and obviously it was that, that season we uh, lost out in the playoffs semis to Bristol City Um that feels like a real what if moment. I think probably the moment person it feels like the most for is probably Simon Jordan, but, uh, you know, for, for obviously Ben missing that penalty, but, um, obviously the club went on to, to obviously struggle with a bit of a hangover the following season. Um, I think finishing 15th, I think it was in the league. And that then took us into that 
very difficult administration period. Um, yeah. And again, you know, you don't like to, to sort of dwell on the negatives of that, but obviously the club, you know, the team getting onto a, a plane up to Newcastle, thinking about yeah. finishing in the playoffs and then getting off that plane and being in the, in the relegation, almost in the relegation zone. How did that, you know, how did that affect the whole team? I, I mean, the story's been told many times, obviously, you know, getting on that plane, coming off and everybody's phone ringing constantly. He knew something that took place quite unique. And Neil, being the man that he is, you know, and he got us absolutely straight away, got us focused for the job in hand. And I say straight away, we've not even left the airport. And he's, um, he got us all into a room and told us what had happened and where we were now in the league. You know, we dropped obviously 10 points and numerous places. And then we played the game and, um, you know, I scored an own goal. We lost two 0 and it was <laughs> it was a, it, it was a, it was a crazy evening because we'd flown up there. And looking back, not many championship teams fly around the country, so we were a big club. You know, Crystal yes. Palace was a big club going onto that plane, and unfortunately, when we got off that plane, you know, we were a club in disarray, and um, that obviously kind of produced a lot of difficulties because. Players, the way that players are, and I know I know players more now than perhaps I did five years ago. They do look out for number one, and um, there was agendas flying around left, right, and centre. And you know, certain players wanted to escape the troubles, and other players wanted to stand and fight and uh, and try and continue the jobs. And um, that caused a difficulty because, if I'm honest, looking back, there was probably a group of 22, and you could only really, you know look at 10, 11, 12 of them and say that you could count on them. The rest of them would have, would, have, would have liked to have left. So that was a difficult period and obviously Neil leaving for QPR and Paul Hart coming in, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was seven or eight games right to the very last day at Hillsborough, which probably that game in itself is one of the most incredible games I've ever played in. Yeah, I was obviously gonna gonna go that. I've been spoken to Clint Hill about him fighting half the uh, half the the opposition support, and um, you know various other people with memories of, of that moment. It was an incredible game. It was an incredible game to be a part of, and it kind of felt like in all the all the negativity surrounding the club at the moment, that was it, that was a huge positive to end the season on. It gave us gave us that hope, but you know obviously genuinely saved the club as well. Looking at the the emotion of the players during the game, not just at the end during the game, there was uh, you know everyone just ended that game an absolute hero. Well, I've never been involved in a game where you know the, the emotions are seeping out of every pore, and you could you could smell it, you could sense it. You know, kept looking over at the away end. And the fans were incredible on the day. They really were. And, um, you know, the goals and the way the game kind of... You just couldn't write the script. One team was going to go down. You know, we had so much to lose. So much to lose at, at Crystal Palace. And we knew, unfortunately, if we had have lost that game, what, what you know, what the permutations would have been. It would have been a, a club that would have probably gone out of existence. Yeah. And I really, I felt for everybody. I felt for the chairman at the time. I felt for Simon. I felt for him massively because for what he is or what he isn't, you know, he was great for me as a chairman. He was, he, he, he was, a, real, he was a real good chairman for me and for a lot of other players at the football club at the time. And obviously, you know, 
getting the draw and staying up and you know this court case and fans travelling to central London and the resurrection of Crystal Palace with you know with Steve Parrish now it's um, it's an incredible story really it really is you know if Wolf, it could have been the end of everything and it became the beginning of something quite new which was I'll say it just just feel you know you're very much uniquely Palace to have been through that and it it's hard sometimes to appreciate that, that's where why we were. I think it's a unique club. That's why I think it's a unique club. And that's why, going back to my point with Frank de Bear, that's why I found it really strange because it was only recent history with all this heart, like the heartache of Crystal Palace and what the fans and what it means to the fans and, and to the players, not just the fans, but the players as well, what type, what type of football club each player realises they play for when they pull on that pull on that Palace shirt that's why I found it a real strange appointment absolutely um, so I'll turn things a little Christmassy now if I may <laughs> um, so I've got I've got some standard Christmassy based kind of questions but I just want to you know again putting you on the spot a little bit you haven't had any time to prepare but are there any Christmas games or any sort of memories of the Christmas period maybe Christmas parties or anything like that that sort of stand out in your mind I can't really talk about a Christmas party I mean <laughs> you know my Christmas parties at 24 were very different to the ones at 32 <laughs> um, you know they were but I do remember one Christmas party and that was um We'd gone to um, we'd gone to Leeds actually, and it was fancy dress, as it, as they always were back then. And you know, bearing in mind, camera phones were the old Nokia's, so the the kind of you know the it's not the pixels that you you get now, and it's um, yeah. you know you you kind of off thinking if you get caught on camera, what what you can you can argue the point. Well, that wasn't me. <laughs> um, it definitely wasn't me uh, that night because you know we was we was up in Leeds and I remember we had Paul Ifill and um, or oh, the goalkeeper Flahaven. Oh yeah, Darryl. yeah, yeah, Daryl Flahaven and Paul Ifill and Daryl Flahaven went. Uh, Daryl went as Rocky Balboa and Ifill went as Apollo Creed, <laughs> and, th- and they had a fight in a pub in, Le- in Leeds. <laughs> and we had a, and, and this um, this pub had a bell behind so I rang the bell and it was obviously round one and I was just cracked him over the head and floored him and it was um, you know they were the kind of things that and, and, and you know round two and round three and round four happened on the hour and it was just um, it was it was it was great moments great teammates Oh, that's fantastic! That. I really, yeah, love that. That's a great story. And um, I was, yeah, I mean, we didn't didn't see too much on, you know, I think these days, as you sort of suggested, social media will be all over that. I do remember sort of photo, little grainy photos popping up and trying to guess who was who. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. Um, so, what about yourself? Obviously, you know, a typical Christmas in the dairy household. I think it's probably a lot different now from when you were a player. So, what do you get up to these days? I mean, we've got crazy on this. It's definitely not my um, idea. We've got we've got twenty five people and five dogs around our house this Christmas day. <laughs> wow. Carnage, absolute carnage. <laughs> we've got shit at the minute. It's not stopped shitting anyway. You know, we've had it. We've had it for a year. We've had it for we've had it for a month. So I've got a present every morning. Oh wow! Well. That is so true. It's not, it's not happy days. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not happy man at the minute. 
<laughs> well, obviously, it's, you know, while you were playing, I suppose, in a way, you got away from all that stuff. And you obviously a huge amount of games in a very short space of time. But um, it's obviously a very well, it's weird thing. because Neil never, Neil never got us in for training on Christmas Day. Oh. Um, we never trained on Christmas Day. I remember us um, actually meeting one Boxing Day up in Coventry. And he said, oh, just make your own way there and I'll see you at half one in the, uh, in the away dressing room. <laughs> and um, I think we ended up winning 3-0. Um, you know, there's no rhyme or reason, really. I've been in on Christmas Day and trained on Christmas Day. I've been off and, you know, we've won and we've lost. It's, it, it's such a unique day. I mean, I remember when I was playing one day and I was around my... Um, my, my wife's mum and dad's one day and I went for a run on a, on, a, on a Christmas afternoon and getting absolutely abused by everybody around Sidcup <laughs> for running, you know, obviously being recognised playing the next day. I think we had Charlton the next day, I think, on a boxing day. Somebody like that. So, you know, you, you, but the players do have to get themselves ready. You know, if yeah. you are to give them the day off, they've got to go and do something. What's, uh, what are you going to be doing with your boys this Christmas? The uh, the team. We'll be um, we'll definitely be off. We'll one hundred percent be off. Um, we was off last year. We had a fantastic resort on Boxing Day. Um, the, the, the years that I've been manager, I've never got them in. Um, I, I honestly think this is um, it, it, it's a great day. It's a great it's a day for families. Yeah. Absolutely for families, and we'll do all the work on Christmas Eve. And I trust the boys and um, put my trust in them for Boxing Day. Okay, fantastic. Well, I won't keep you too much longer, Sean. Just a couple of quick fire questions for you. Uh, well, you know, your time at Palace, who was the who was the best player you played with? Um, it, it, it would be easy to say AJ. You know, he was the most um, he was the most effective player. So easy to play with in terms of his pace and his runs and you know the just the aggression he had in terms of wanting to score goals was was incredible. You know, I, 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 like, I like Ben Watson. You know, Ben was coming through as a young player. And Palace has always been notorious for wingers, silky wingers, uh, you know, that type of player. You know, the Wilford Zahars, the Sean Scannells, them kind of players coming through the system. But Ben carried, and still does, carries a different type of character in the way that he plays. And he's a very, very intelligent footballer. And I loved you know, I, I loved kind of trying to help him in his young career. And, you know, he was very um, receptive to taking that information. And, you know, he could, he could, he could pass over not just 5, 10, 15, but, you know, he had every single club in his locker. He, he, he was a good player then, still is. Yeah, yeah. One of, one of my favourites, of course, in the FA Cup final scorer and winner, which is uh, yeah. Yeah, something we haven't seen Brilliant, in Palace. Yeah. But, uh, um, and also, I suppose, if the answer to this might well be Danny Butterfield, but who was the funniest player you played with? I mean, Boss was just a lunacy. He was, you know, his, his, his brain worked so different to all the other lads. He was, he could take anybody off. You know, he had a, he had a way of lightning situations, especially in that four or five months after administration. You know, he was the one who could always see a lighter side to any situation. And great to be around. Great teammate. Um, you know, a good friend. 
and he was um, and still is you know one of the funniest guys I've, I've met he's you know he, I, I remember once we had a team photograph and we had an old goalkeeper coach and I forget his name his name's gone out of my brain but we had a pair of um, burgundy slip-on shoes and if you're looking for the uh, past team photographs of, of our era you'll see butts with these um, slip-on shoes on the, uh, <laughs> on the official team photographs <laughs> you know it's just things like that you know they'd you know, it would go down. It would go out, and you know, it it just be a, it just it'd it be crazy. It it end up in you know the nightclubs. You know, like when 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 we used to go to nightclubs, and there'd be like the dancers up in these cages. You know, yeah. fifty foot up in the air, and you turn around, the butts was up there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You know, he's, dan- he's dancing up there and you think, how's he got up there? You know, and he's, he's climbed a 20-foot pole to get up there. He's, he, he was just crazy. That is unbelievable. Yeah, he was quite quiet about that sort of stuff when we spoke to him, but he did tell us a story. Oh, he's changed now. Yeah, he's yeah. He's exactly. changed. Yeah, that's exactly it. But uh, he did tell us a story about... Um, Basically stealing Simon Jordan's phone and texting Neil Warnock that they had to have a meeting the following day. Um, <laughs> Simon, Simon actually tweeted us saying that Danny would be too stupid to operate his phone and then suggesting <laughs> it was a lie. But where do you stand on that one? I'm, I'm assuming that happened. Well, I was sat right next to him when he'd done it, so I know he'd done it. <laughs> it, was, um, it was brilliant. Absolute masterpiece off him. It was great. <laughs> Good confirmation there. And we did think Simon was having a bit of a, a bit of fun with it, rather than actually accusing him of an outright lie. So that's good to hear. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for that, Sean. And just before I let you go, have you got a message for the Palace fans for Christmas? No, as always, it's um, you know, keep. I think all players, those that have pulled on the shirt for Palace, you know, those that have got the affinity, you know, share the same values. And I think it's always nice that a, a group of fans acknowledge and understand where past players sit with things and it's just a supportive message really you know hopefully Palace can have a a, a very profitable new year and you know continue to be a a great Premier League football club and you know we we, we all follow them in the household it's great brilliant thank you so much Sean for your time obviously all the best with with Cambridge and hope you have a great new year and, and kick on and get into those playoffs at the very least that'd be great thank you very much Cheers, guys. Good luck. Thank you so much. Bye. And that's all for today, boys and girls. Oh, come on. It's no good crying about it. There'll be another episode tomorrow, you impatient little f***. In the meantime, please like and share this ho-ho-ho Homestell Radio podcast calendar in order to help us raise more money for the Palace for Life Foundation. See you tomorrow. Merry Christmas. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.